Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm here. I'm back with Calvin Williams. So Calvin was on last time to talk about continuous improvement. Calvin's the founder of Improver Technologies. And I just noticed that my notes are wrong. So Improver, I-M-P-R-U-V-E-R.com, or you can follow it on LinkedIn as well. And also I would recommend you check out their YouTube channel because Calvin's putting out some pretty awesome videos. Calvin, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, thanks for the warm introduction. And uh, the you in Improver is intentional. Okay. And we can dive into that too, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, the Super Bowl was on the weekend. It's in Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. How crazy was it to have Super Bowl hosted in Atlanta? Oh, man. It was, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the north side of Atlanta and we, we managed to stay away from the madness. The airport was incredibly busy. Uh, in the city was was really busy, uh, but I stayed north of town and I went to go visit some friends who were even further north than I am. So uh, I managed to escape the madness. But it, yeah, I've, I've heard some stories about some some craziness. You know something interesting, uh, a little bit off topic for the blog, but just an interesting fact is uh, a friend of mine, a member of my Toastmasters group said that she volunteered at the airport to, to kind of watch out for sex traffickers. And, you know, with the big airport here, there was a, there's a quite a bit of sex trafficking activity and they were able to catch over 120 sex traffickers at the airport over the Super Bowl weekend, which I found to be really interesting. Wow. That's crazy. Like, I think I was out there a, a couple of years ago and I saw signs for, you know, human trafficking in the airport. And I, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Do you have any insight on that? You know, I, I, asked, the, I asked the same question. I was curious too. And I don't know for sure, but this is what I was told. A lot of time, the one, one of the, I guess one of the, the biggest ways that people use to trap kids, because a lot of time it's kids that get caught up in sex trafficking, is they use these video gaming platforms. And then they sort of lure and entice and, and, and sometimes they get drugs involved to kind of suppress the, the mental state. And usually when you see someone, you know, I guess the, the typical profile is, you know, middle aged male with a kid that seems to be out of sorts a little bit. And 
they just don't seem like they should be together <laughs> for, for whatever reason, just seems like an odd couple, then this there's there's a chance that there's something suspicious going on there. So, yeah, I, I wish I knew more, but that's that's sort of, that's sort of the description I was given. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I mean, you know, it's not funny that you mentioned it. It's terrible, but it, it's interesting. Like last summer, so so my girlfriend, she's she's black, and we went to the park with her niece and nephew, and you know, like as a kind of like a 30-year-old white man sitting in on a bench in a park looking at children playing. It's like it's something that you don't think about until you're there when you get the weird looks and you're like, oh, I see, like I probably should stand next to my girlfriend at all times. Like don't let her walk away. <laughs> That's funny. But you know what? As as a white guy with black kids, I think you can get away with that. As a black guy, if I'm if I'm seen in public with a bunch of white kids, I'd probably get in some trouble for that. So They'd probably call the police on me. So consider yourself uh, lucky for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's it's terrible. So let's get back into into continuous improvement and reliability. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a lot of room for improvement in, in, in many ways, in many ways. That's right. So, Calvin, you recently put out a video on the New England Confectionery Company and how I mean, what you did in the video is you did a five why on why they went out of business. You want to give us a little introduction to that and then we can dig into it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, Rob. So the way it worked is uh, the New England Confection Company is one of is probably was America's oldest candy company. Right. Uh, gentleman name of Oliver Chase started the business 150 years ago. And in the last year or two, they went out of business. And the, the, the premise behind the video was to say that you won't find the iconic Sweetheart's candy on the shelf this year for Valentine's Day. And then it goes into, all right, let's break down a five why for why that why that is. Right. So uh, turns out they were forced into bankruptcy in 2017, which is very strange because this same company was absolutely debt-free in 2001. There's a uh, Fast Company article about how they're debt-free back, dating back to 2001. So something really weird went down between 2001 and 2017 where a debt-free company gets forced into bankruptcy by its creditors. That same year in 2017, the FDA went into the factory to do their annual inspections and what they found was appalling. They actually found a severe rodent infestation. Uh, during the bankruptcy filings, they were interviewing some of the managers and one of the managers said they went into a plant on a weekend and chased out and caught 112 rats. Ooh. <laughs> big rats, these big Northeastern rats, right? New York rats. Uh, the plant's actually in, was actually in Revere, Massachusetts. Um, so diving deeper, you know, going through the five whys. So why were they in such bad sanitary condition? Turned out they were in some real bad financial situation uh, condition. They're having some real bad financial problems, which is, which is strange, right? Cause not long before that they were, they were debt free. So um, if you dive deeper into that, um, you know, yeah, they were having f bad financial problems. And here's the thing when it comes to continuous improvement and, 
creating a sustainable, thriving business is that when you have that continuous improvement mindset and you have that capability, you can see losses. You can see opportunities for improvement, even opportunities to reduce operating costs in ways that are sustainable for the 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 health of the business. And these guys in particular, they started cutting costs everywhere they could. And then they got down to things like maintenance and sanitation. And we started cutting sanitation costs, the FDA, Federal uh, Food and Drug Administration. Um, yeah, that's that's red flags left and right for them. And yeah, they apparently they had a pattern of poor sanitation over some years and then they, they eventually pulled the plug on them. So, yeah, if you. If you yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, so if you keep following that, typically I would follow the money, and and uh, in this case, I'll say let's follow the candy. But yeah, apparently, uh, American Capital um, purchased in two thousand seven purchased Neko from the Chase family, and uh, in the process, they end up saddling the company with a lot of debt. Uh, American Capital is a private equity firm, and this is pretty, I guess, it's pretty. Uh, pretty normal to, to, to use debt to acquire the business. And in, in the bankruptcy filings, they said that American capital was extracting money from NECO to, to finance some of their other ventures. And they said they suffered $150 million in losses over a 10 year period, which was like 15 million a year. I mean, I would imagine their plant operating budget was, wasn't much more than that. So that was pretty incredible. Um, so, yeah, I was wondering why would, you know, why would the Chase family sell the Neko business to American Capital? And in digging deeper on that one, I realized that the Chase family in 2004 built this 825,000 square foot manufacturing facility to up production. But at the same time, America was consuming less sugar. <laughs> so uh, sales were down, but they were go they were going up on capacity, production capacity. And my gut feel is uh, after writing that $130 million check, the Chase family realized that uh, this story wasn't going to end well. And they, they sold the business and got out of it. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what the what my research uncovered. I'm sure there's more details to the story, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it definitely is interesting. And it's something that, you know, like this week, the podcast that's out is with James Kovacevic. And we're talking about metrics and KPIs. And, you know, it's it's something that it could become from a KPI type of perspective. So, like, when we talk about KPIs, sometimes, like, one of the most common KPIs is just, like, maintenance expenditure or maintenance cost divided by replacement asset value, stuff like that. And if you if you have a new plant manager, a lot of them are bonused off of that stuff. Hmm. So like in the short term, if the, if the plant manager, new plant manager comes in and they go, well, you know, I want to hit my bonus and then maybe I'll get out of here and, and either get a new job or I'm, I'm, you know, a year away from retirement or something like that, they can just decide, hey, let's cut maintenance or let's cut sanitation and then get that money out in the short term. But it really costs us in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. And yeah, it's that, it's that short sightedness of, you know, let me take care of myself, even at the detriment of everybody else involved. And yeah, it, it does happen. You know, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why you need to have 
a good cross section of people with their eyes eyes and hands on the business to some extent. You know, running a t- running a business should be a team uh, a team endeavor. So, yeah, when 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 I guess when you give one person too much authority, then you you open the gates for that type of behavior, which which I would classify as corruption to some extent, right? Absolutely. And one thing that you did mention, I believe, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before was as part of your continuous improvement tip of the day was think of your customer, like your customer sees your product, not as like a bunch of machines, but they see your product at the end goal or your service as the end goal and really focus on how do they view the world? Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So uh, the the idea there, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that actually. Um, The idea there is that when you talk to a lot of manufacturing leaders and and just people in manufacturing business, they have a mindset of the they they sort of put the equipment at the center of their world, of their universe, their machines, and they have a mindset of let's get let's work uh, let's manage the machines in a way that you know that that produces good product at all times. What they don't view, what they don't see, or what they don't kind of uh, actualizing their minds is that your business is made up of people and the people are using machines to serve the customer right so the people are really should should be at the center of the universe and uh and and i think if you look at your business that way you would invest more in developing your people to get outstanding results in fact you would measure productivity by person instead of by asset like you see with uh, oee and some of the other metrics it's just a different way of viewing productivity and, and, and really driving accountability to the individual level instead of saying, this is what our system is doing. Let's look at what our people are doing. Use, let's look at what our people are using the system to do, right? No, I couldn't agree more. And like I see it a lot in maintenance and reliability, right? Like we look at our assets and we're really just thinking about, you know, how do I get this equipment to run better? How do I get this pump to pump more or to fail less, right? But at the end of the day, we have to be focused on our customer. Are we delivering the product that they want? Is the service what they need, right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's key. And, you know, sometimes companies get out of out of sync with their customer. And, and to me, that's the beginning of the end. You know, you're not going to. There's always another company out there looking at your customer. <laughs> and if, and if. It's just like, you know, trying to trying to woo a, uh, a a potential mate. Right. There's probably another a guy, another guy on the up next block over who who's maybe going a, a little willing to go a little further than you are to, to get that next date. So, you know, companies got to look at customers the same way It's a competitive landscape. And, yeah, you just can't get too comfortable to think that that customer and, and start taking your customers for granted. Yeah. And even now, like in 2019, it's so easy for a bad experience to go viral or at least for people to know about it more than just, you know, like in 1950, if I had a bad experience at a store, I'm going to tell my friends and that it kind of ends there. Now I can tell the world. Yeah, right, right. Everything is so much more scalable because of technology. Even even bad experiences and messaging is it's just scalable, instantly scalable. You know, uh, I, I released a video this morning, right? It's talking about knowledge management while we're on the subject. And in the US, I don't know the situation for Canada, but certainly in the US and some of the other uh, countries that that lost a lot of people in the World War II and had a baby boom era afterward. 
47% of the U.S. workforce is about to leave the workforce. 47% of the bodies are about to leave the workforce and, and be backfilled by a lot more inexperienced people, right? This also, this also, if you think about 47% of the people having all the experience leaving, they're, they're taking a lot more than 47% of the knowledge out of the company with them. I would estimate 85, 90% of the knowledge is going to go with them over the next 10, over the next 10 years. If, if companies don't realize the, the significance of capturing that knowledge and then helping to transfer it into the, the incoming workforce. The implications of that, to me, as I, as I can predict, will be incredible, right? America's the number one economic powerhouse in the world. If I'm Russia, if I'm China, you know, if I'm like on the, on the top five list and I'm waiting in the wing for, to be the number one economic powerhouse, this is a window to strike because we're going to see giants fall in, in our in our economy. We're going to see companies that have been powerhouses forever come down because the, the knowledge just isn't there to sustain business performance. The knowledge and capability just isn't there. So, yeah, I think we're in the midst of a silent capability crisis especially in the U.S. and, and some other com- countries that that have a similar dynamic as the U.S. with the uh, with the workforce uh, demographics. So, yeah, that's <laughs> I hate to be uh, apocalyptic here, but I think there's there's something to be said there. So, yeah, in that in that video, I, I stopped in the middle of the video and just said, hey, man, if if you're you know, if you're o- older and experienced and you got a lot of knowledge, the best thing you can do for my generation and the generations younger than I, myself, generation X, Y, Z, baby boom, you know, millennials. The best thing you can do for us is start documenting everything, you know, put it in videos, put it in, you know, Word documents, PowerPoint documents. Just capture it, blog about it, make YouTube videos, whatever it is, just capture the knowledge. We can use artificial intelligence and improvers actually going Becoming artificial intelligence, co- uh, artificial intelligence coaching technology that will feed that type of content to people when they need it, uh, when they're working to improve a specific area of the business. Just document what you know, and and then feed that information into, and and then we'll use technology to feed that information in on, on an as needed basis. But yeah, I, you know, I could see that being being a big challenge for the U.S. and a lot of other countries too. Yeah, I, I I agree 100%. And it's something that we talked about with Matt, Adam McElhaney from Uptake is like, obviously, he was focused on the artificial intelligence side, but it, we see a lot of, you know, we see a lot of aging population. And if we don't capture their knowledge, either in an expert system, in procedures, in an artificial intelligence uh, rule base, we're going to lose that knowledge when they walk out the door. And it's going to take time for our younger people to get up to speed. That's right. That's right. And and we talk about losses as as those you know younger folks take time to get up to speed and build their experience, build their knowledge base. These companies are just suffering major losses. You know, efficiency losses, probably losing customers. You know, these are real tangible, you know, financial uh, reputation losses that that uh, that are going to that are going to t- that are going to happen as a result of this this shift in uh, workforce demographic. 
And, and I mean, it's something that, you know, we've seen forever, right? Like maybe not necessarily the demographic itself, but we like 15 years ago, the top companies in the world were not Amazon, we're not Apple, we're not Google, right? And in 15 years from now, probably the, you know, Amazon and Apple won't be the top companies in the world. So, I, I mean, this really dives into continuous improvement. Like, how do we maintain our status? Like, how do we not get comfortable when we're at the top? <laughs> right. That's exactly. Yeah. And it's a mindset, right? How do you stay hungry to, to continue to grow and improve? And the, the kind of behaviors that lead to growth and improvement are things like innovation, research and development, experimentation, taking risks, you know, not getting too complacent with customers. You know, these are things that tend to tend to soak in more when you become successful, when you become number one, when you get big. But yeah, with the with the workforce dynamic and just the the nature that the people in power right now in these companies are older, more risk averse, more comfortable with where they are in life. They're not necessarily trying to get promoted three or four times. They're not willing to take as many risks. Uh, yeah, it's just so difficult to really instill and, and sustain that continuous improvement mindset. They would, from what, and from my experience, and you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be harsh or critical, but because continuous improvement and lean is 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 ambiguous to some extent, it's easy to talk it as if you're totally living it without actually living it or without actually being willing to do what's needed to, to move the needle for your company. I see that. I see that as a, as a, as a, that's a chronic, that's a chronic thing that I see when I, when I engage with companies, they talk continuous improvement, but when you, when you observe them there, you, you kind of look at the decisions they make, you look at their willingness to try things and be, a little adventurous and take risks, you could tell that the the real the real CI mindset isn't isn't in practice. Yeah, no, I I agree hundred percent. I see that in reliability. I see that also in like a few a few of the companies I've gone to. They say, you know, we want to be world class maintenance or we want to be world class reliability, but they don't understand like what does that mean. Like, like, it's nice for me to say, like, I'm sitting on the couch here, I'm talking to you. And, you know, it's nice for me to say, like, I want to be a world class marathon runner. Well, like, if I don't go for a run today, like, you know, like, I'm planning on going for a swim later. But if I don't go for a run today, if I'm not, you know, training for this, like, I can say whatever I want, but it doesn't mean anything. And I, I think that's something that we like us as consultants, we have to really kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, right? So when people say that, what are they really trying to do? Are they just trying to pay lip service or are they serious about improving? And like, it's another thing is sometimes as people who are like for yourself specifically, like as a, you know, a small business owner, you might have to deny customers because they're not going to give the results that you need, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Right? And as a startup too, right? And that's one of one of the biggest challenges is being clear on what direction we're going and and don't allow us to get caught up with even customers that aren't going to get us where we're trying to go. So that yeah, that may mean turning down turning down money that that we certainly could use. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know I mean, that's 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 a big part of continuous improvement, too, is being clear on where you want to go. And the definition in my mind, the definition of improvement is making progress against your your goals, making progress against your definition of growth, whether that be market share, cost reduction, uh, improved margins, uh, profitability. So every company might define growth a little differently, but based on your definition of growth, the strategic direction you're taking the company, continuous improvement, your continuous improvement program should be helping you move in that direction. And in fact, the measure of success for a CI program is the Delta, right? Did we make, you know, we made a 2% improvement in 2016. We changed by, you know, an, an additional 3% in 2017. You know, did we go to, you know, 6% in 2018? If that's the sign of a healthy CI program is that it increases your rate of growth. A lot of companies don't even who, who, who do CI, they rarely actually measure the effectiveness of the CI program. And some of them are investing you know, millions of dollars in their CI program, but can't tell you whether or not it's working. <laughs> they can point to, they can they can point to spot projects like we save some money over here. We you know we reduce losses over there. But they can't necessarily say for sure, for certain that the CI program actually helped them become a better company. Yeah, that's that's a big point and something that, you know, like we do again in reliability is we have to translate what we do not only into financial results, but also into like, are we increasing throughput? Are we reducing downtime? Like, what are we actually doing? And, you know, like so, sometimes like I got to actually I got a call yesterday or I was on a call yesterday with uh, Jason from Alabama and you know, he's a listener to the show and, and he just wanted to, you know, ask some questions about, you know, reliability and changing the culture and this and that. And I mean, first off, like if you're listening and you want to have that call, like absolutely email me at Rob's reliability project. We'll get uh, at gmail.com and we'll, we'll have that discussion. But what I, what I said to him is, you know, when you're on your journey, it's going to take time and it, you just have to be persistent about it. And when you look back in you know two years or five years or 10 years, you're gonna be surprised how far you've come. And it's kind of like an esoteric type of thing because it's hard when you're in, the, you're in the weeds and you're working every day and it's frustrating. It's hard to really like get that kind of perspe perspective, but it's, it's, it's like that, I forget, there was some guy I, they showed this video at, I think it was at tech when I was working there and he like got caught in, he was hiking some glacier and he fell down and he broke his legs and he, he like crawled his way out of the glacier and it took like a few days or something for him to make it. And it was like, his mindset was just, I got to take, like, I'm going to get to that rock that's five feet away. And then it was, I'm going to get to that other rock that's another five feet away. And then eventually he crawled his way out. And it's like that type of mindset, like it sounds crazy when you're watching it, but it's like, that's what you need. You just got to go in and you just got to do one thing every day. And if you do that one thing at the end of the, at the end of the road, you'll, you'll look back and you'll go, wow, we, you know, we actually did a lot of work and we actually saved a lot of money or we increased availability or our plants way better to work at. Like there's so much benefit there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a powerful story. That's really cool.
I had a, uh, a vice president of manufacturing uh, guy by the name of Trent Sunday, who uh, who used to use an expression called organizational patience. And what he would say is, uh, you know, as continuous improvement professionals, reliability professionals, we tend to want to move the organization much faster than it's really capable of going. Right. And sometimes we get frustrated by that. You know, we want to see results. We want to see people get on board. We want to see people pushing just as hard as we're pushing. Right. Um, but the reality is that an organization can never move as fast as an individual. There's a African proverb that says, if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. And the idea is that if you can move the organization one inch, that's probably more powerful than moving yourself, you know, miles and miles. So, so yeah, he would say, you got to have organizational patience. He would tell me this, you got to have organizational patience. You put your message out and you continue to be persistent and you continue to push your message and give it enough time. That message will ping itself around the entire organization and it will come back to you. And people will start telling you the, the same things that you were once telling others, trying to get them on board and trying to move them along their journey. And that's when you know that you're making some progress. And the key there is to be just be persistent. And as a CI person, as a as a change agent, change leader, persistence is your number one weapon. <laughs> and the only other half of that persistence can get you fired. But but. So you got to toe the line on, on, on how exactly how much persistence to apply. But yeah, that's that's key, though, man, is. Uh, is having that patience, having that persistence and then, you know, giving the organization time to adjust. But then, like you said, once you reach the, the top of a, uh, a milestone mountain, you look back and you do see that a lot of progress has been made and you didn't even notice. So that's really cool. Yeah, no, I love that organizational patience. Like I, I listened to a podcast called the MFCEO Project and the guy who runs it, uh, Andy Frisella, he talks about, I think he calls it aggressive patience. And it's like every day you have to do, you know, he has this concept where every day you have an action list of three to five things that are like, that are going to get you closer to your goals. And you do those three to five things. And once you're done those three to five things, you can be done for the day. And, and it's like a really interesting concept, but he's right. You know, like if those three to five things get you closer to your goals, then like what, like uh, look, if you look at a lot of what you do, it doesn't re necessarily move you closer to where you're trying to go, especially as like a reliability or continuous improvement guy. How how often are you in a meeting where you just wasted an hour of your time? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I got mixed feelings about meetings. I like them when I'm leading them, but <laughs> 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 but that's absolutely true, though. Uh, you know what we do, myself and my co-founders, my my team here, is we do what's called our big three, and every week we have a discussion about. You know, what was our big three last week? How much progress did we make against those? And then what's our big three for the upcoming week? And, you know, let's let's come up with a plan on how we can we can we can run those to ground as well. So, yeah, that does help you. First of all, it helps you make sure you're working on the right stuff. Right. Because that's that's a big part of the conversation is, is this the right stuff? Is this going to really what, what exactly we're we trying to accomplish? And are these things going to move us in that direction? And then it, it actually adds, adds a little bit more accountability too, right? Because 
you're you're sort of predicting or you're sort of planning what should happen. And the accountability is at the end of the week, you look back and say, all right, did that actually happen? And if not, let's find out why. What can we what changes can we make to be more effective with our time? Oh, yeah, for sure. And there was another book I read. I forget what it's called, but it, but essentially the concept is very similar. And the mantra from that book is what is one what is the one thing that I can do that makes everything else easier or irrelevant? Oh, I like that. And I'll, I'll I'll dig it up and I'll post I'll send you the the what book it was, but I definitely recommend reading that one. Um, it'll be in the podcast notes if you guys are listening and you want to know. But it's definitely something to think about because some of the things that you do, you can completely remove them from your life if you do something else. Yeah, is it the? I know Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing. That's it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's a great book. I really enjoyed that. I had actually read the uh, listen to the the audio book, got it from uh, uh, Audible. But yeah, that's 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 a really it's concise. It's not a long book, but the concept of the one what one thing can you do that that, you know, is going to basically advance you on your journey much faster than doing a whole bunch of smaller things. So, yeah, it's a very powerful concept. (laughs) <laughs> audible if you're listening that was a free plug now you have to sponsor the show <laughs> so calvin i mean i, I want to dig into more so you mentioned that you're going to do some artificial intelligence coaching you want to tell us a little bit more about that yes i do actually i was about to, i was about to uh, <laughs> i was about to say something in that direction already so coaching is a powerful concept i mean any any high level performer understands the, the value of a coach, right? From, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, Brady, Tom Brady has a coach, you know, Bill Belichick. All elite performers have coaches. In business, many executives in elite level business people also have coaches. So the idea of coaches is nothing new, um, but I think the problem or the challenge is that only certain people in business are able to afford or afford a coach, right? Because it's, it's expensive. So there's only an elite few with access to this, this powerful um, tool or mechanism or system, right? This program. Improver is moving in the direction of providing an artificial intelligence coach to where it's economical, where everyone can have a coach. And our focus initially is on manufacturing people who work in the manufacturing space. So what does a coach do for you, right? The coach helps you get clear on what you're trying to accomplish, helps you uh, understand what things you could do to improve performance, holds you accountable to your plan, helps you create a plan, holds you accountable to that plan, you know, keeps track of your metrics for you to to show you how much progress you're making, how much further you got to go. Uh, motivates you to do more when, when, especially when, when you should be able to do more, uh, rewards you when you do well. So, it, you know, it sort of finds all the, the, the right way to manage you or to coach you to help you progress towards your goals at a faster pace. So you ultimately can be more productive and you can do more with your, with your time. Improver AI essentially 
does all that for you, too. Right. So uh, Improver sort of monitors your 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 metrics. So it's looking at your productivity. Like I say, every every bit, every manufacturing plant is a group of people using machines to be more productive. So it looks at productivity as a personal thing. So every person in the plant has a certain productivity uh, status and uh, improvers looking to help each individual be more productive. And, 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 you know, as you move up the organization, of course, a plant manager is looking at how to make the entire plant more productive. And that's what sort of syncs everybody together. Right. The improver also looks at what it can do, how it should engage with you as a user to make to produce better results. So it's learning from you. It's learning that when when it gives you more positive recognition, you tend to do better after that recognition. When it uh, when you have something to do to complete, it recognizes that if it reminds you three times in advance of that thing, you, you're more likely to get it done than if it only reminds you once. Right. So it's, it's observing your behavior as a user and it's it's using what I call the eight drivers of motivation or the eight drivers of gamification. I think maybe we talked about a little bit about that last time we talked. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. It's using it's using those same drivers of human motivation to figure out the right mix of how it should engage with you to help you progress further against your objectives. Kind of like we were just talking before about uh, making progress against your goals. So. So, yeah, it's it's a powerful concept and it's and, it, and it's really going to democratize coaching to where everyone has a coach. Right. So starting out, we want to focus on manufacturing where you know every manufacturer, every operator, every lead, every supervisor, you know, quality people, whoever it is, you now have a coach. I think the implications go beyond manufacturing, though. So think about healthcare, finance organizations, uh, education, government. You know, pretty much across the board. Imagine, imagine, imagine everybody in America being 20 percent more productive. <laughs> what that would do, the implications of that. Right. So talk about the food shortage crisis. We talk about curing diseases faster in less time. Uh, we talk about the water shortage crisis. We're talking about, I mean, some real global problems that we're facing can be traced back to just a lack of productivity, human productivity. You know, starvation in other parts of the world. I mean, you increase the productivity of the people trying to solve that problem. And all of a sudden, starvation is less of a problem in the world. So, yeah, productivity is at the heart of really what this world is able to accomplish. So um, and that's that's where improvers going. And, you know, we're right now we're we're in the early, early, very early stages in the development of technology and. You know, we're moving into the manufacturing space. That's just uh, that's that's my home. That's where I was born. Food, food and beverage specifically. But but, yeah, I see implications for this. On on such a much greater scale. Right. If, if Facebook is the ultimate time suck, makes you less productive, improvers, the antithesis that makes you a website that makes you more productive. Right. We, we think of people developing computers and technology now think of technology developing people. It's next level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh we got a we got a we got a site. It's it's there. It's actually fully functional. Um but you know, some of the some of the newer features like what we call video standard work where people can record and 
um, you know, record videos, how to videos and break it up into steps and things like that. We got uh, something called Predecessor Connect, where new employees can connect with old, em old employees who did the same job via the Internet with a camera and a headset. So you can talk and the, the, the predecessor can see everything the, the successor can see and they can coach, coach, uh, provide coaching. Some of the AI engine, you know, all of those things are currently in development. So I can show you what we have now and you can see how some of the motivators, the positive reinforcement mechanisms and some of those things are already there. But then, you know, in, in, in the next three or four months, maybe six months, you'll, you'll see even more. We got one point lessons being built in. And the idea is that, you know, if if somebody has a goal, somebody, let's say you have a performance goal of 85 percent and you have an action item in the system. Right. Change part A for change for part B. When you complete that action item, the system knows where you're at from a productivity standpoint before you change that item. You were at 58 percent. After you change that item, you went up to 75 percent. Right. So you made a pretty big improvement as a result of that item. So it helps you make that cause and effect relationship, helps you tie it together nicely. Then it says, well, you still got another 10 to 15 percent to go. We recommend you do this. So and so on the other side of the company is really good at this thing that you're trying to get better at. Why don't you sit down and have a conversation with them? Here's some of the things they did because it knows what they did to improve their performance. Here's a uh, video standard work. Here's a video that you can watch to give you some better, some potentially some good ideas on how to do this. Here's a standard work document. Uh, here's a training module that you can go through to help you improve in the specific area where you're trying to improve. So it's pushing content based on the need to improve. And that's a need that the user uh, establishes themselves when they set their target in the system. So. It's not just dumping tons and tons of knowledge and data on people and expecting them to know how to categorize that and how to use that, apply that knowledge. It's actually feeding you information based on the gap that you're the specific gap you're looking to close. And it's using artificial intelligence to, to recognize your, your needs and then um, for development and, and, and then feeds you information and content. Awesome. No, that sounds that sounds really cool. And like, I mean, everyone listening. Um, Obviously, they're looking at personal development as as a thing that they do, but it's something that's easy to kind of get away from. Like I know I got away from it uh, a few years after college, and it's like it's something that you know you really have to strive for. Like it's it's that same thing where we were talking before about you know you've your Apple, and it's easy to kind of get away from your you know continuous improvement or reliability efforts. It's, it's just something that you got to do. You just got to build it as part of your life, like learning stuff, listening to Audible, listening to this show, uh, you know, like that's going to help you. And again, it's that same thing. If you take one step every day, you know, you listen to one one podcast or 30 minutes of an auto, uh, of an audio book or you read a book, like all these things, like you'll be surprised how far you've come. That's right. And that's the key point. Right. Because a lot of a lot of companies approach continuous improvement with with like a blanket approach. You know, we're going to train everybody on root cause analysis kind of thing. Right. Oh, we're going to implement OEE and everybody's going to be using OEE. I think what the, the continuous improvement world is finding and is, is kind of connects to what you're getting at is continuous improvement happens at the individual level. 
So if, if you can increase your personal effectiveness, your personal productivity, you, if you really focus on your personal growth and development, that's the real that really drives your continuous improvement engine. Right. You'll see better results in business. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit less of a focus on specific tools and it's more focused on on the individual, the person. It puts the person. And like I said at the beginning, I said there's a there's an intentional reason why there's a you and improver. Right. So it puts you in the center of continuous improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about like for for everyone here, right, like we're all, you know, continuous improvement, reliability, maintenance people, you know, like if you think about yourself as as an asset or as a piece of equipment and like, let's say we're talking about a pump. If, if you're currently pumping 10 gallons a minute, if we can up that productivity level and pump 12 gallons per minute while doing the same amount of work, just by learning some new stuff and being more effective, like think about that capacity growth and, and, you know, it's going to be huge in the long run. And it's just something that, you know, all our listeners know, cause that's why they're listening to the show, but it's, it's just a great thing to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it makes sense. It just takes a little more work, right? It takes a little more discipline, just a little bit, really just, just enough to, to, to put your headphones on and say, let me listen to this little, uh, this, this audio book while I drive to work today, <laughs> instead of, instead of listening to, uh, uh, your entertaining uh, a radio station for entertainment, just say, all right, this week I'm not going to listen to the radio. This week I'm going to I'm going to read a book, and that's that's usually what I do. That's uh, not every week, but I get through more content when I just commit myself to 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 just putting on my headphones and my phone's always with me. I got Audible on it, and I listen to listen to some real enriching material, you know, or watch some real enriching YouTube videos or something like that, and 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 it does change your frame of mind. It does sort of put you in a in a mindset to to try something that you probably thought never thought of trying before, and when you try new things, you produce new results. And it you know if, if you're trying the right things and you're persistent about your experimentation, um, you'll you'll produce results that that at some point in life you couldn't imagine that you could do. And that's you know that's that's at the heart of it, I think. Oh, I, I agree, hundred percent. Like for me personally. Like I try to do an hour, I try to listen to an hour a day of content that like will improve me in some way. And, you know, that even started me on this show itself. Like I started listening to uh, the Gary V audio experience, like Gary Vaynerchuk oh, yeah. uh, podcast. Yeah. Like about a year and a half ago or so. And you know, it really led me to start this podcast as a way of not only like connecting with other people that are, you know, like such as yourself that are like really going places and trying to do things, but also as a way to, to learn myself. Like I've noticed that since I've started doing this show, I, you know, like I can ask the questions I want to the people I want and, and it, it just speeds up your learning curve so much. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly true. And even just uh, like, for example, this conversation we're having right now. And, you know, when I hear you tell your stories and share your experiences with me, it's it's helping me grow. You know, even though I'm I'm here as your guest and you're asking me the questions, I'm actually growing from just having this conversation with you. And, 
you know, we'll listen to this podcast after it's done and we're going to hear things that we didn't even hear while we were in it and continue to learn from it. So, yeah, just being in the mindset of creating the process of creating. We talk about I talk about this in my latest video on knowledge management is uh, we're creating knowledge as we go. You know, knowledge, knowledge has a lifespan and, you know, knowledge becomes obsolete and new knowledge is created all the time. So as we go through this process, you know, we're learning, we're learning from ourselves and each other and creating new knowledge that we'll continue to build on. So this is really cool, man. I, I really appreciate you having me on as a guest. And, you know, I'm always, I'm always uh, willing and, and, and hopefully able to, to join you and, and, and continue to have this conversation. Absolutely. No, I, I, you know, I thank you for coming on. And, and also, I guess the next thing is like for people listening, you know, we were talking about before we jumped on here, I'm going to be a future guest on the improver podcast. So you, Calvin, you'll have a chance to put me to the test. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that, but I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to talk. <laughs> oh yeah. I've been coming up with some deep, deep questions. You you will be put to the question for sure. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> now I should be worried. No, no, no. It'll be a good, it'll be a great time, of course. <laughs> so Calvin, um, you know, obviously people who are listening, they should follow you on LinkedIn. If you don't already follow uh, Calvin yet, Calvin L. Williams on LinkedIn, uh, his link will be either in the podcast notes or if you're, if you click through LinkedIn, he'll be tagged in this. Um, and then they should also follow Improver Technologies on LinkedIn and on YouTube. Is there anything else that you want them to do? Yes, they should do all those things. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think that would be a great start. That's that's really where we're at now. Uh, LinkedIn, we have a LinkedIn group called Improvers. Uh, this is a place where we network, we share experiences, share case studies, uh, share resources and help each other along our our continuous improvement journey. So um, other than that, yeah, YouTube and LinkedIn are, are really where we're at. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting signals from the universe that maybe I should try Instagram. I don't even have an Instagram account, but uh, we, we may go that direction at some point, but we're still, we're still trying to figure that one out. So, but yeah, that that would be perfect. Um, yeah. I appreciate you making that plug for me. No, absolutely. And, and like, I, I think I'm part of your improver group on LinkedIn, but if I'm not, I'll definitely join that coming up. Um, I definitely enjoy also like Calvin, you put out your continuous improvement tip of the day and I enjoy that too. And I've been enjoying those videos lately too. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you enjoy it. It's my pleasure. My pleasure to bring value any way I can. Absolutely. That's the, I mean, that's the name of the game, right? So it's perfect. So are you going to be at any conferences coming up? Um, there's a couple in Atlanta, uh, food industry conferences that I plan to attend. Uh, I'm not presenting or anything. I'm just, I'm just going to show up. Um, but nothing, nothing necessarily, I don't have nothing, nothing, anything penciled in. There's an AME conference in, uh, Chicago, I think later in the year that I may try to attend as well. So yeah, it's still tentative, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what, what I'm, what I'm up to. What, what about yourself? Are you going to be nearby anytime soon? All I got on the docket so far this year is uh, Maintenance Con April 15th, I believe, in Chicago. And then I have 
the PMAC Asset Management one day in Winnipeg in June. And then obviously I'll be at the PMAC Main Train Conference in Edmonton in September. But that's pretty much all I got on the docket so far. I'm hoping to hit up SMRP in Louisville, Kentucky in, I think it's October, but I could have the dates mixed up there. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. For me, it's been a little weird, kind of hard to, to, to schedule those just because uh, there's a good chance that we'll enter an accelerator for our technology startup. So, and, and there, there, with that, there's a chance I could be moving to Poland for a month or going to San Francisco for a few months. So it's a little bit up in the air. Of course, I'll continue to you know publish the content and keep uh, and keep those channels open. Uh, but yeah, as, as far as you know, pistol in conferences, especially those those higher end conferences, <laughs> it's been a little bit up in the air. So, uh, but yeah, if you know if, if if I do end up booking something, I'll I'll let you know, and 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 perhaps there's a chance we can we can click we can link up somewhere somehow. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then we'll definitely do a, a video or a, and maybe a few tips of the day from the conference. That'd be fun. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. I'm, now we got to make it happen. Now that you said that, we got to make it happen. That's right. I got to get down to Atlanta again. I, I've been meaning to to head to the south. Maybe I'm not. Is Kentucky close to Atlanta? <laughs> yeah. relative. Yeah. You can get to Kentucky probably four or five hours driving. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe I'll do something like that. Maybe I'll make a road trip out of it. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, let me know. I can meet you halfway. We can meet in uh, uh, Tennessee somewhere. <laughs> awesome. So, Calvin, you know, I, I want to thank you for coming on again. I mean, we didn't really get – we didn't really dive deep too, too much into continuous improvement this time, but we'll definitely get you back on to talk about that again. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm look, looking forward to it, and I'm, 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 uh, I'm already – building more questions for you for my podcast too. So be ready for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward to, like I've only, I've done a few podcasts like with James Kovacevic on Rooted in Reliability. And those are really the only ones I'm put to the test. So I'm excited about this one. We'll see if we can stretch the old brain out. We'll see if we can stop you on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone's still listening. You know, I appreciate you listening so much. I, sp- I appreciate you spending your time with, with myself and Calvin this week. If you haven't yet, you know, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform and follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook. I've, I'm dabbling in some videos recently, and those will be exclusive to the LinkedIn and Facebook pages. So if you're just following me on LinkedIn, you might not see those pop up. So it's just something to do um, for the bonus content for the my favorite listeners. What else? You know, that's about it. You know, if you haven't yet, follow Improver Technologies on LinkedIn. Follow Calvin L. Williams on LinkedIn. You know, Calvin, thanks for coming on the show again. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Rob. I appreciate you having me. As always, I'm uh, happy to come on anytime you need. And there may be a few situations where I'll be begging you to come on, that, that I can come on, to let me come on 